Hi, I'm Ashley McElwain, licensed marriage and family therapist, founder and CEO of Foundation Restoration. Welcome to Foundation Restoration's Real Talk podcast, where you'll find real people discussing real issues while offering real help at the intersection of clinical expertise and a biblical perspective. We're so glad you've joined us. Hello, friends. It is me again. (laughs) Welcome back to the Real Talk Podcast. So glad you're here today. As always, it is a complete joy to have you here listening and tuning in. It means so much to me. Your support means a ton. And I hope and pray that these podcasts are such a blessing to you. They are a blessing to me to record them and and to think of you there listening to them. So thank you so much for joining. For those of you who are listening to this podcast on Monday, the 3rd, um, happy July, happy 4th of July. It is crazy that we are speeding through this summer. Um, there's nothing quite like summertime. I think there's such a fun fondness of summer, just memories and traditions. And I know for me growing up, summers were definitely the highlight of the year. Maybe Christmas as well. Christmas is, I'm a big Christmas fan, but I love summertime. I'm a summer baby. My birthday's coming up July 28th. And I just love summer. I love, love, love it. And I know I think about it and there's some really fun, sweet memories that I have growing up. We used to go to a huge Christian festival up in central Pennsylvania that we looked forward to every single year and loved just the smell of campfires. I think we had a campfire going more nights than than not. I'm still kind of known as a campfire guru. Love making a campfire and I guess those are my small town roots coming out, but summer is just such a great time. And I hope that this time of year hearkens um, to some of your favorite memories and sweet times. And I hope that you and your families are enjoying it, making the most of it. And hopefully you have some fun plans 4th of July. I am always really grateful on 4th of July to think of America. We live in an incredible nation and even in Really, I think one of the more divisive times in our country's history, I'm still so incredibly grateful to live in this nation, and it's a great reminder that we should be praying for our nation, praying for our nation's leaders, which is very fitting for our topic, but we really should be praying for those that are in leadership and asking that they seek the Lord in their decision making and that the Lord works through them. So I hope that you guys will join me. Um, I would really challenge you 4th of July to take time out at some point during the day and to specifically pray over our leaders and over our nation that we would be united as one nation under God and that we would be able to make the most of the opportunities God has given us in this incredible nation. Hope you have a great time. Hopefully you have some some fun. I feel like some traditional things is like you got to have a hot dog, you got to have some watermelon, you got to have ice cream. And there has to be something with water involved. I don't know whether you're water balloons or whatever. I hope you guys have fun. Hope you have a safe 4th of July filled with lots of memories. Well, friends, let's dive into today's topic. We're continuing our two-part series on the keys to great leadership. And as I mentioned in part 1 of this series, 
There have been a lot of conversations recently surrounding leadership and who should be in leadership positions, uh, especially within the Christian community. And it got me thinking about just how crucial good leadership is, not just in our words, but in actions and in our reality. Every single person will be in some form of leadership in their lifetime. So why aren't we talking more about everyday leadership and what it means and takes to be a good leader? Well, in part one, we talked about who is a leader, what is a leader, and why do we lead? If you haven't checked it out, I hope that you'll go back and check it out and then come back and dive into today's part two where we're going to discuss the characteristics, um, some specific characteristics of a great leader. Obviously, this is not a comprehensive list, but these are some things for me in my 13 years of having foundation restoration and being the head of that, things that I've learned through that journey, as well as, you know, in part one I talk about, I've just, I've worn a lot of leadership hats throughout my lifetime. And so I would just say these are four qualities personally that I think are key in being a great leader. Um, And being a great leader is just, it's a constant process and dependence on the Lord. So here we go. First quality that is essential to leadership is humility. And I would say this is the number one quality that is essential in leadership. Probably for me, I would say it really is the most important characteristic. Um, I think about Philippians 2, 3 through 4, where it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So it's in humility in our own understanding that as a leader, we are there to be the ultimate servant of those we lead rather than those we lead being ultimate servants to us. Not as a key distinction to me in becoming a great leader is realizing those I lead are not there to serve me, but rather I'm there to serve them to the best of my ability. And again, I think that this is so key and such a foundational truth in great leadership, whatever form of leadership, however big of a platform your leadership is, humility is just so incredibly important. And when we realize that our authority or position as a leader was gifted and given to us by the Lord, that is key. Romans 13, one tells us there is no power given, but from God in all leaders are allowed by God. So when we realize that we are gifted with the position of leadership by God, it creates a posture that we are there not of our own volition, but on a mission by the Lord. There's a responsibility in leadership, and therein lies the need to have humility in order to be the servant leader God has appointed us to be. Furthermore, it's in humility that we receive favor and grace from God to fulfill our call to lead. James 4, 6 tells us God opposes the proud, but shows favor or grace. Grace is used in some translations, depending on what translation you're looking at, but shows favor or grace to the humble. So oftentimes we see God very clearly coming against the self-righteous and those who were thought to kind of be the respected leaders. So for example, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there are so many times in the Bible that God clearly opposes them. He chastises them. He gives them woes because, again, they thought they were good enough. And that was ultimately the sin of Satan. It was that sin of pride, thinking that he was better than God. He didn't need God. So God consistently says, your 
righteousness is like filthy rags. You're not good enough on your own, right? And and those who think that they're so special and good, and I'm not saying special like my identity is a child of God and made in the image of God, I'm special, but hey, I'm better than you. I'm I've got it all together. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I've got it all figured out. That spirit of pride, we see God clearly come against that throughout the Bible. And we see that he consistently uses the lowly and humble. Think about Mary. I mean, she was practically a kid. And she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. We look at Moses. We look at David. I mean, Moses, he, he didn't even want to go into Egypt. He said, wait a second, I have a, I have a speech issue. I can't go and talk to the, the, can't talk to Pharaoh, the main leader at the time in Egypt. Like, are you kidding me? Asking him the impossible. And God says, like, I can use you despite this. And remember, too, Moses was an exile of his own. Again, he, his whole trajectory, he was again he was put in a basket he was sent down the river i mean we could go into moses life but he was not he was definitely a humble lowly person who god used or you look at david he wasn't even brought jesse when jesse was asked bring your sons uh one of your sons is going to be anointed as the next king of israel jesse didn't even bring david there to be considered right he was the youngest, he was out being a shepherd. Shepherds were not thought highly of in their time. And he wasn't even brought before him because he didn't fit the part, so to speak. But David was known as a man after God's own heart. He was one of the greatest kings of Israel. So again, we look and we just see God often elevates those who were lowly, kind of considered not even worth paying attention to. And he consistently came against the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the self-righteous, the prideful, and said, no, my blessing's not on you. My favor is not on you. And so Matthew 23, 1 through 39, this is an example where Jesus is chastising the religious leaders. One of the things he says, I would encourage you to read that whole passage on your own. I will not read it to you right now but one of the things he says in verses 11 through 12 is the greatest among you shall be your servant whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted this is just a perfect example god loves humility and he will humble those who are prideful and those who think that they are so great and exalt themselves God will do the job of humbling them. And whoever has humbled himself already, God will do the job of exalting him. And when we look at Jesus, the ultimate leader, we're talking the king of kings, the son of God. Every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, acknowledging Jesus is Lord. He came to serve, to be exalted. No, he came as a baby. He came in the most humble of ways. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. Humility. It is the key ingredient in leadership. It is the foundation to build anything that you are trying to build on. And when we realize it is by the Lord's sovereignty that we are in that position to begin with, that every gift we have is of his hand at work, that it is for his glory, we can have that firm foundation to press on in our work as a leader. 
Second characteristic I would say is absolutely essential is integrity. One of the responsibilities of leadership is to live with integrity. We realize that with our position, we have to do our very best by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to live a life of integrity in our submission and obedience to God. Drawn from our deep love and gratitude for His love and sacrifice for us, right? Not out of self-righteousness or pride, but really in that Lord, I know what you did for me. I'm so grateful and I love you. And I am going to do the best that I can to submit to you, to obey you, and therefore set out to fulfill the calling and position that you have entrusted into my care. And one way we live out integrity is for our word to mean something. And this is something I can easily get on a soapbox about. (laughs) Um, If you know me, you know I talk a lot about this. I could spend an entire podcast on it, to be honest. But I just firmly believe that our word has to mean something. We can lose everything. We can lose the shirt off our back. But if we are men and women of our word, we still have everything. I really feel like in many ways, our word is the currency of life. And that means honoring what you commit to. If you say you're going to do it, you do it. It means saying what you mean, meaning what you say. My mom used to always say that. Hey, say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, It means keeping promises. If you say you're going to do it, if you promise somebody you do it, you do it. And then it's taking responsibility for for when there's a reason, for some reason you don't honor your commitment or for some reason you can't keep a promise, you don't wait for the reaction. You're not reactive in that. You're proactive. You go and you say, excuse me, I made this promise to you. I was not able to keep it. This is why I was not able to keep it. I am so sorry. And here's what I intend to do to make it right. Because we're not perfect. And and granted, there are times things change or we find ourselves in a situation where maybe we can't keep our word or our promise. But for the most part, we are not making promises. We are not making commitments that we cannot keep. And if for some reason we fall short, we are proactively going out there. We are addressing the reality that we have fallen short of what we said. And we are making it right. We are taking full accountability and responsibility for it. And that is what preserves the integrity of our word. It means realizing that your tongue is powerful, right? We know Proverbs 18, 21 tells us there's life and death in what you speak. And I would say that's very true with if you're going to commit to something, if you are going to tell somebody something, you need to make sure that you're thinking about what you're saying, that it has significance, it has weight to it, and that you mean it. It means living out what you preach and teach, And I think so often it is very easy to say the right thing. It's very easy to have the right answers. But are you actually setting the example of doing that? Again, it's easy to tell others what they should be doing, but are you living it? This is talking the talk, walking the walk to the best of your ability. It's always being willing to learn, to grow, and to acknowledge your own shortcomings your humanity, your growth areas, setting that example. And as leaders, there is a higher accountability to our lives and how we live. People are following and we don't want to lead them astray. But I will say this at the same time, leaders, and this is for everybody to hear, leaders are not saviors. I can tell you firsthand, 
I am not a savior. I don't want to be a savior. I am not capable of being a savior. Jesus Christ is the only savior that exists that can save you or anybody else. I don't have that capability, nor does any leader in the history of leadership in any position or capacity. Leaders are not perfect. If you are looking for a perfect leader who does nothing wrong, if you are looking for a pastor who has a sinless life, if you are looking for um, perfection, you will be disappointed because there is no perfect person aside from Jesus Christ. We will all fail and we will all fall short. So the notion that leaders make no mistakes, that they have no sin, have it all figured out, it is just a disastrous illusion that will lead to an ultimate failure. Do not put your hope in leaders because leaders are just fellow sinful human beings that are doing their best to be submitted to the Lord, to serve with humility, to live with integrity, but they are sinful human beings. I'm a sinful human being. If you are looking to me for perfection, if you're looking to me to have it all figured out or to be sinless, I will disappoint you. I can tell you that I can assure you that I'm not perfect. That's why I need Jesus. That's why I'm at the foot of the cross every single day. That's why I am in the word of God every day. That is why I am before my face every day crying out to the Lord because I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner who needs Jesus. I am a child of God who's looking for my heavenly father to guide me through each day. So I just say that in, yes, leaders, we have a higher accountability to live with integrity, but also for those of you out there who are following, who are looking to leaders, you must realize that they are human beings just like you, in desperate need of a savior, just like you, doing the best that they can, and know that they're under a tremendous amount of pressure and spiritual warfare that the average person maybe isn't under. Because Satan knows that if he can bring them down, then that's going to have impact on those that are following. So all that to say, pray for your leaders. Pray for any leader that you know, whether it is the leader of your home, whether it is the leader of your church, whether it's the leader of your nation, whether it's the leader of your small group, if it is the leader of a Bible study, whatever it is, leader of your business, of your company, pray for your leaders. They need it. I can tell you that firsthand. They will appreciate it. Third thing that I would say is that a leader must know and carry out the vision and a plan. So a leader is the one who holds the big picture, the vision for where it is all going. So again, whether this is in your home, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's a group at your school or at your church or whether it is at a ministry or your church congregation again there are varying levels of leadership but whatever you've got to know what the big picture is the vision of what you're doing why you're doing it where it's going and you have to hold the ability to see the ultimate destination while taking that into the moment by moment the day by day incremental steps to get there So like an artist who sees the end game in his mind's eye as he stares at the blank canvas before him and slowly adds each stroke of paint or perhaps that one that chisels away at the block of lifeless marble giving purpose to each small shard he chips away. That's what we kind of have to do. We have to be the ones who know, I know what this piece of artwork is ultimately going to look like. And I also know, and I'm going to formulate a plan for what 
brush strokes or what chiseling I have to do to create that. I think about a quote from Michelangelo where he said, every block of stone has a statue inside it. And it's just the task of the sculptor to discover it. And that's ultimately what a vision and what a leader does. A leader sees that vision. It's already there. And I just have to figure out all of the steps to take to ultimately get it there. And it's a delicate balance of the bird's eye view but with the awareness of that within the small steps it takes to get there. You set the heading on the compass and you're both leading and you both lead and clear the way to get there. So again, you've got that compass, you know the heading, you know where you're going and you're leading and clearing the way to get there. And I think one of the biggest challenges for leaders in this is it is the balance and that ability to roll up their sleeves each day and grind it out in the small and seemingly insignificant or that stitch by stitch handcraft that beautiful quilt that is the big picture and and it's hard holding that excitement and the anticipation of the grand vision while feeling like you're inching or even millimetering your way there it's hard that's a very delicate balance and it, it can be very challenging for leaders to do both to have the vision and have the plan to get there Leaders must have the ability to see the vision, but then develop that plan to get there. And then to celebrate the big and small. Realize it's a journey and it can be dangerous. It can be arduous, exhausting, lonely, so lonely, (laughs) discouraging. But it's also like this beautiful journey of growth and development and learning and laughing and just figuring it out. And I can honestly say, you know, I think what people see a lot of times are successful mountain tops or peaks, and they don't realize the climb that was involved to get there. And I can say, honestly, 13 years into ministry, there were so many years that I wanted to give up. It was so lonely. It was discouraging. I was overwhelmed. I felt so inadequate, constantly facing failure um, and inadequacies, but then I just would put one foot in front of the other and I would take that next inch or that next millimeter. And 13 years later, I'm amazed at this ministry and what God has done and how he's grown it and my team and our office and the impact. And it's unbelievable. But you could look today and have no clue, no clue how this started or how hard that journey has been to get to this point. Um, And, you know, as a leader, you really have to have the ability to adapt to pivot, and to absorb a tremendous amount of criticism, of fear, of responsibility, of self-doubt, and losses, but all the while, never losing sight of your why and that vision that pushes you to tackle that next moment, the next task, the next problem, whether you want to or not, whether you feel like it or not. It's a decision, and you just make that decision. Leaders fall back on that humility that helps them realize that it is that this, what they are leading, is bigger than them. And there's no quitting, and there's no failure. There's just learning, there's progress, and pursuit of whatever God's placed in your path. Two scriptures that always come to my mind in just the journey of leadership and building something or doing something Romans 5 3 through 5 
We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then James 5, 2-4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Leadership entails suffering, and it requires perseverance. It requires wisdom and maturity. But that wisdom, that maturity, that perseverance, it comes through suffering and putting one foot in front of the other. And in that, we develop that character, we develop hope, and we realize just how much we need and depend on God. I can tell you firsthand, I am not smart enough, I am not capable enough, I am not good enough, I am not anything enough to compete or compare to the Lord. It is Him. It is Him working in me. It is Him working through me. It is by His grace alone that foundation restoration exists, that I've done anything good in my life. And I realize every day, I'm going to get emotional, but every day I'm so dependent on God. I need Him. I am desperate for Him. And I realize that anything I do that is apart from Him is worthless. I want to do it for Him. I want to do it with Him. I need him. And I would encourage you to to have that same mentality in your leadership roles. The fourth and final characteristic I want to talk about is a leader's ability to unite and to empower. It's truly easy for leadership positions to attract those who are seeking fame, attention, power, control. They look at these leadership positions as what others will have to do for them rather than what they get to do for others. True leadership is about bringing people together and looking to serve, unite, and empower them. Leaders aren't intimidated by other strengths, but rather inspired and excited by them. And they view their position as a means of bringing the right people together in that right place at the right time to make something special happen. And as believers, we know we aren't competing with each other, but rather we're functioning together as one body, like 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, within our unique strengths and our unique abilities to ultimately function better together. I said, you know what? <laughs> what is the point of having a brain if there's no, there's no body? What is the point of having an arm if I don't have a hand or fingers? Every part of the body serves such a crucial function and role. And we have to realize that those in our community, those in our leadership, in our, in our flock, they all have an important role. And we're just another part of that body. We're not separate looking down at them. We're part of it. And so we have to realize we're not competing, but rather functioning together. We're community. 
And again, it's easy. It's very easy to get intimidated by other strengths or, you know, again, our insecurities can make us very hesitant to celebrate the gifts of others. But the truth is we have to stay focused on the blessings God's given us. And we have to celebrate our giftings as well as those of others and realize that, look, God has blessed me with X, Y, and Z, and he's blessed them with A, B, and C, and that is awesome. I love that. We truly need to just celebrate the giftings of others and their blessings as blessings from God and celebrate our own giftings as blessings from God and realize that we need to come together, work together, to create together, to be better together. Leaders Our job is to empower others to unleash their potential. It's very similar to a lighthouse, not tugboat. We aren't dragging people along. We aren't trying to convince them to go this direction or that direction. We we aren't dragging anybody along, but rather we are shining brightly to illuminate the giftings of others and empower them to press on in those giftings. And we're illuminating the path. We're illuminating the pathway to get to the destination or at least illuminating the path for the journey. And then we need to come together. We're helping those that we are leading come together and we are coming together with them. We're uniting and creating something together. We are better together. And as leaders, that's what we are doing. We are, we are that unifying body We are the one who is appointing and bringing together. We are empowering people to live out their purposes, their their callings, their giftings. And we are calibrating and setting expectations. And that's one of the keys, I think, in leadership is the ability to say, in order for you to thrive in your role, here are the expectations. And then we aren't trying to suddenly along the way establish these you're not doing this or and we're shooting in the dark no we we have we have that target for people we say this is i'm bringing you on this is why i'm bringing you on this is your purpose this is your role these are your giftings these are the expectations and then from there we're just managing those expectations and we're following up with them and we're helping that person truly be able to step into that role and to do it by illuminating those giftings and illuminating that path for them to do what we expected them to do and communicated for them to do from day one. So again, as leaders, we are meant to unify people, getting the right people together for the right time, for the right person in the right place, or for the right purpose in the right place. And and that's when something special truly happens and is created. I'll leave you with these thoughts. Leadership is something that all of us are called to in one way or another. We will all be leaders at some point. But also, we'll always be under the leadership of somebody at some point. And we need to look for quality leaders. And, you know, obviously there are many attributes of a quality leader, but for me, I think the, those the four things that I've outlined in, in today are so incredibly important. Humility, integrity, holding the vision, developing a plan, and then bringing unity while empowering others. Those are keys. And it's in acknowledging our need for Jesus and his appointment that he's given us to leadership that we are then able to serve with humility, knowing we didn't 
appoint ourselves, but we were appointed to this position. And then to seek a life, to live a life worthy of that calling and that appointment while casting that vision and implementing a plan to fulfill that vision and then unifying the right people and empowering them and their giftings. That is just so key in how we become great leaders, how we are great leaders. And it's a process for us and it's a process for for um, those who follow us, right? We're, we're all growing together. We're all working together to be the best that we can be. Look for quality leadership. Expect quality leadership. And if you find yourself being a leader, expect that of yourself to be a great leader, to lead with humility, and to have that integrity, hold a vision, develop a plan, implement it. Bring about unity with the right people and empower them in their unique giftings from God. And you guys will create something really beautiful together. Well, friends, this concludes this episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad you did. Remember, you were handcrafted by God, are dearly loved, and greatly needed in this world. We look forward to seeing you back here next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Real Talk. To stay connected, follow Foundation Restoration on Instagram and Facebook at FND Restoration or visit us at www.foundationrestoration.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to follow or subscribe and to leave us a five-star review so more people can find our show. Foundation Restoration is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry that believes marriage is the heartbeat of society and exists to equip, strengthen, and restore marriages through clinical expertise and a biblical perspective. Please consider supporting our ministry with a tax-deductible donation at www.foundationrestoration.org. Your gift makes programs like this possible. Thank you for your generosity and partnership.